You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Greg Hectus. What up, guys? Mason Stiver. How we doing? Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. And special guest, Craig Sykes. Evening, home. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, welcome, Craig. Uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast tonight. Uh, let's get to uh, know a little bit about you. Now, we've actually already been getting to know you over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you've uh, joined up with Tifosi Racing to help with the 24-hour race. And uh, you're in the DP car with, uh, with myself and Joe and Brent. Bobby uh, and Phil, and uh, we've been like doing a lot of practice for that. And you're our fastest driver in the car, obviously. And I welcome you uh, for helping us with that. So let's get to know a little bit about you and your iRacing uh, career. Uh, what brought you to iRacing in the first place, and how did you initially hear about it? Uh, I can't remember really. Um, I know I did a lot of racing on the console and stuff, and basically like Gran Turismo and stuff like that. And then I think I saw it on online somewhere. I just wanted a bit more of a challenge. So I racing, looked at it, and then I was hooked from there. I signed up straight away. And then ever since then, it's been subscription after track, after car, as you know, it all goes. All right. And, uh, well, how often are you racing and in what series are you running? Are you running an official or what? Uh, I race as much and as often as I can, mainly oval side. I know that might be surprising for, you know, a UK guy, but that's what I like running is oval, mainly NAS when that's running. Uh, sometimes on the road, that's only like IMSA sometimes, man, and probably special events like obviously the Daytona 24 hours week and the rest of the 24 hour endurance races. But yeah, mainly oval. I love the cup car. That's the main thing I run. And sometimes, possibly the Xfinity and the trucks when they're at fun tracks. All right, cool. Uh, NIS, uh, you're probably like what? Split three, split four. Yeah, usually around there. I mean, I don't really. I'm not one of those guys that likes to look at his high rate. And I just, I like to race. I just want to get out on the track and you know, have a good, good crack at it. I don't really like to focus on the high rate because I think too many people on high racing seem to focus on that and they get. You know, they get irate with themselves or other people, and it just spoils the, I don't know, just the overall fun of the sim, really. Well, I mean, I was looking at your stats, and they're actually really good for Oval. Uh, Oval official career stats, your winning percentage, 7%, with top five, 29%, laps led, 11%. That is some great numbers. Yeah, I mean, I'm not shabby, I know. I, like to, I, can, I can hold my own. You know, against main, most of the guys I run. Well, I mean, I can see when, why you like the oval. Yeah, I mean, when you come up against the guys, you know, like the pros and stuff like that, they're on a completely different level. But, you know, I don't even try and look up there. I just, I run and race with who I am with. And if I win, I win. If I do, as long as I have a good race, I'm happy. All right. Well, uh, tell us about uh, any leagues or hosted or teams. Do you have anything you do with that along those lines? or? Yeah, I mean, I've, 
I've dabbled in a few leagues. Uh, I think the first one I joined was one called Somo League. And a guy called Paul Zota runs that. I ran that with a team called BGR that I ran with. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but uh, a lot of a lot of drivers in that. That was good fun. Uh, then I went ECR. That's pretty big league as well. And I think the most recent one was the VRL. Recently, when I came back to ride racing. And team wise, I've yeah, I've only had like three teams. I think I'm not really a big team guy. I mean, I've done the whole thing, and it's just it can just get on top of you. Especially when you know you got team members that help you out, and then there's a lot. Of, a lot of teams have a lot of water carriers that just want to come in there, take setups, and people get you know wound up with each other, and it's just it's just a headache. So I like to run on my own, help people out when I can, like yourselves. You know, if someone wants or asks for my for my help, I'm always available. I don't know, I'm not the best, but I will help where I can. All right. Well, yeah, we're happy to have you for the 24-hour uh, DP car. Uh, we're also running a Ferrari, and uh, we've been getting ready for that. Tell us about your uh, hardware setup as far as wheels and pedals and how many monitors, how, what kind of third-party software. Uh, my wheel is a G27 with the shifter and everything. Uh, my first wheel when I started I racing was uh, Xbox 360 pad. I ran that for eight months and I, well, I won a fair few races with that thing, believe it or not. And then, yeah, the wheel. My first wheel was a Driving Force GT that one of my buddies on the team sent me from America called Levin Roush. He sent me his Driving Force GT for, for note. Yeah, so that was great for him. Then I went to a G920 and then I didn't like that. I went to the G27. And I only run one monitor. I've tried with a three, but it doesn't seem to help me go quicker or anything. So there's just no justifying having three monitors powered up. All right. We'll keep it simple, right? Yeah. You know, I've got a, one TV. I can see pretty much what I need to, so I don't need to run three monitors at all. All right. And uh, what's your uh, most memorable iRacing moment? Oof. Jesus, that's a good question, that one. Yeah. I think it's got to be, I won my first NAS at Watkins Glen, and I was using my Xbox 360 pad at the time. And it took me two days to get my thumb back to work in order, because it cramped up with about 10 laps to go. And none of my teammates at the time believed me, I had to send pictures and shit. So yeah, that was uh, probably one of my highlights. Well, absolutely. Well, very good. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, you're certainly welcome anytime. Uh, let's get into it. But first, let's talk about uh, OBRL, the Old Bastards Racing League. Uh, we had a 43 K&N Pro Car show up for Monday's iRacers Lounge podcast national series at Daytona. Uh, Patrick Scahill won the pole award and also led the most laps. Uh, podcast superstar and iRacer Lounge co-host Tony Groves won the Hard Charger Award gaining 32 spots with a great racing finish of 7th. Douglas S. ended up winning the restrictor plate race with Patrick Scahill finishing 2nd and professional podcaster Greg Hectus 3rd. The race only had 2 cautions and 14 lead changes. Greg moved into 2nd points, 8 points out of the 1st place. The OBRL heads to Michigan next Monday for 75-lap battle. The race has been filling up in the first 5 minutes. 
Uh, it also first, says uh, Chris Scales had a great race, finishing thirty, qualifying thirty seventh, finishing ninth, two seconds, uh, two spots shy of grabbing the hard charger award. And then Justin Laird did not fare as well, finishing thirtieth. Oh, you forgot to add in there, Chris Jr. Scales, because he's uh, you know rocking the number eight now, perfectly fitting. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. Uh, from my point of view, it was uh, it was a pretty good race. Actually, Chris and I were uh, were stuck together uh, practically the whole race, um, which is real nice. We were able to help each other out. Um, it was uh, where we normally race. We don't get to see too many nice long green flag runs, uh, green flag pit stops. But that's what was was happening there Monday night, and uh, yeah, it was. It was real good. Um, you know, near the end, we had the big one, and uh, I just about got collected in it. I know I knows I got in the back of somebody, but uh, it wasn't enough to, to really slow me down. Unfortunately, I I know uh, he ended up uh, spinning and getting into to more trouble. Um, but unfortunately, it was one of those deals. It's <laughs> only uh, just tapping his tapping him in the rear was was about the best that i could do in that situation but all in all it was uh it was a really good race yeah good run that's the first uh, hard charger award and yeah uh, i know oh go ahead no that was it i was just agreeing yes that was my first hard charger award well we started that race we all were talking that the four of us we were gonna get together and kind of run away from it but i did say at the beginning i'm gonna go for the poll just to try and get that bonus point and I just missed the pole by a tenth, actually a hundred, sorry. And uh, I ended up staying up front because I couldn't get out of where I was either. Um, but uh, it was a good race. Um, I was up front the whole race uh, for it. And uh, I have to say thanks to uh, Raging Cajun Jones. Uh, if he didn't let me down on the track to get onto pit road, I would have ran out of fuel on the first pit stop and um he didn't have to do it but he let me in and kind of saved my race so but uh it was a good finish and i pushed uh um the winner there across the place uh across uh, douglas across the line past patrick on the last or coming off of four and just ended up pushing him all the way down the straight and uh pushed him across the line in front of patrick but i'll take it and uh, we'll move on to Michigan next week, which is just going to be another drafting race with those cars. Yeah, looking good in the points. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, let's get to topics. I got the first one. Uh, so you think you can drive? Uh, <laughs> we had a forum post where uh, in problems, uh, Dale P- Peterson posted up, you know, I can't figure out what's going on. I go into practice and run laps around other cars. My times are not recorded. They're not showing in the entries or the results. And uh, he just can't figure it out. And what turns out happening is you're, he's going, he's using the beta UI, and somehow it was putting people in spectator mode. They think they're going into a regular practice, but it puts them in as a spectator, unbeknownst to them. And so they're running around like a ghost car, and they don't even realize it. They can't cut a break with the beta, can they? They can never get one. Well, I tell you what, I, I don't have a topic for it, but there's still a lot of beaten up on the beta UI going on in the forums. 
everybody telling uh, how slow it is, how bad it is, and the whole part where this new thing is not available on the website and it's only available in the beta UI is just really bugging a lot of people. Yeah, I think they should just scrap the beta UI and focus on improving just the website because I think the website is like 3 million percent better than the beta UI. It's clear. Everyone's used to it. Just improve that a little bit and go from there instead of trying to add something else and it's just it's just not working. Well, if they're going to have something else, it's got to be better, not worse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, there's a lot of hate out there for it. What's interesting about the beta UI topic is iRacing is silent about it. There's all this negativity towards it, and they're not defending it. They're not a answering or, re or replying to any of those posts. Now, they're all over the forums. So they can definitely see them, and they're purposely not replying to them. So it'll be interesting to see what iRacing's response to all this will be uh, about why and, you know, what, after two years, I mean, it doesn't feel like they've it made progress. It feels like it's almost gotten worse. All right, Mason, what's a silent shifter? Yeah, the um, there's a topic up in the forums, uh, someone saying that there is no shifting sound in their Ford GT and other GT cars um, when they're racing. Or actually, the, the sound is very, very delayed of the shifting. And, uh, I mean, the shift works, but just the sound is so delayed. So... Um, David Tucker is working on it, and they haven't been able to find a reliable way to reproduce the issue. So if you have that issue and can send over any information, David Tucker would be very appreciative. Um, they've been working on it since early December, so hopefully they get that fixed. Yeah, I don't think I've noticed it myself, but there's a lot of people on this thread that have. So have weird. you guys heard of that? Why would it be just one car? Like, you'd think it would be... I know the coding would be kind of the same, wouldn't you think, for sound? For, you know, you know, click this button, this sound plays, right? Play the gear shift change of sound, yeah. right? But why can't they, you know, something else must be causing it, and it's not the simple just the code that writes, you know, that goes for that, you know, command. Uh, it's got to be something else that's causing it to lag that they can't find. Yeah, yeah David Tucker said something to that effect where he said, it makes sense if it's completely gone, but it being delayed is really bizarre, is basically what he said. Yeah, it says it's like the sound system is holding on to the, the sound and not playing it, but it's not designed to do that. So, like I said, they're having trouble repeating the issue. It may be something down to, um, you know, dropping the power in certain cars or upgrading the power in certain cars, you know, whether tweak the, the power output or something like that in the GTs. It might have just... I don't know, messed up with that bit. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Tony Groves, calling all iPacers. Yeah, that's right. On the uh, forums, there was an announcement for uh, a new highlight reel they want to bring out called the Not Top 10 Highlights. Um, and iRacing's looking for your videos. They're looking for replays uh, of any funny moment. You know, Did you spin out on the lead lap? Did you do a 360 and end up on pit road? Are you a streamer who ran headfirst into a rallycross tire stack? Someone say, let's have a nice clean start and then cause a 20-car pileup in turn one. Um, yeah, get those videos in. Uh, they, don't want, uh, they don't want any weird physics bugs like uh, cars launching into the stratosphere um, or anything like that. 
Um, but these replays can be from any time, any year, practice, hosted, qualifying, basically wherever you can grab them from. And uh, the, they're paying their the payouts will be the same as the as the regular top ten. Everyone gets uh, you know ten dollars in credits. Top two get uh, fifteen and and twenty dollars worth. Um, you guys got those uh, replays? I think I might have one or two. We just had around. one before we started the recording. A teammate uh, said he was going to win the race, and then he wrecked. <laughs> yeah, that would be <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Well, he Sorry, has it David on. Hall. He's, he streamed it, so we could probably submit it. There you go. We got a video, right? Okay, so let's tell David Hall we got to enter him into this uh, contest. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to tell him to. Uh, we he can email his replay file to alex.horn at iracing.com with the title "Not Top 10 January 2019." Um, he'll be taking the, all the submissions until the uh, 31st. Okay. <laughs> All right, Greg, uh, more on the GTE BOP adjustments. So, you know, we were, I think we talked about this last week where they added uh, the extra kilograms to the Ford and the Ferrari. They left the Porsche alone. Uh, but this was found out later that uh, it was, it's, you know, it's not for the Daytona 24-hour uh, race, uh, but it was applied to the... Uh, the practice rooms and all the other stuff that we were doing in the middle of the week to, you know, get ready for the Daytona. And then I think, was it the set, the hosted sessions, they didn't have it either or was it applied? No, it wasn't applied in the hosted sessions. So it, it's thrown a whole bunch of curveballs to the people uh, making up setups. Um, but uh, Tyler Hudson just said the reasoning behind it is he didn't really give a, uh, he just explained why they did it, but it really didn't, explain why they didn't do it for the 24-hour race, which has caused some people to, um, you know, wonder why they would just change it for... He's just um, saying it's business as usual. Yeah, it's 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 just a weird... The weird way that timing. they handled that. You know, it's just a bad timing, I think. You know, it, it's business as usual as far as the BOP, okay? For the official IMSA series. That's what it was changed for. The Daytona 24 had nothing to do with it. But it, it doesn't make a sense that it should have. It should be a, a change in the 24. I agree. And so does a lot of people in the forums. But, yeah, they don't really have a good response about why, you know, they decided to do that. But it is what it is. All right. I'm going to keep moving. Uh, Christopher Bell uh, put up some high-res uh, photos onto his Twitter of his helmet for this week's Chili Bowl with his main sponsor, iRacing, prominently sponsored on the helmet. And boy, I tell you what, I think this is probably the coolest helmet I've ever seen. I just love it. I love the red, white, and blue. You know what yeah. it kind of reminds me of what he did? That the If you see that black graphic where the helmet's facing backwards, it kind of reminds me of some of the designs that you can have in the iRacing helmets on their default ones. It very well could be modeled after that. I don't know, but uh, wow, it does look good. Yeah, I love that helmet on my car in the sim. And it and, really matches the car paint job, too. Well, and what they've done, too, is, you know, the flat colors look really good, not high gloss. The flat is, like, really nice on it. Yeah, and then Kyle Larson also Twittered up some pictures of uh, his rig for the Chili Bowl, and he's got iRacing as an associate sponsor with McDonald's as a primary. And so he's got the iRacing logo uh, and, and name uh, on, across the top of his car. 
and uh, it looks pretty good, uh, you know, as a, an associate sponsor. It certainly is visible, and you can tell what it is, you know, by a glance. Does that mean, I guess with Jamie McMurray gone, this is kind of off topic, but I guess McDonald's has moved over to Kyle then? Um, I don't think so. I think McDonald's is gone. I haven't heard their back. That's part of why probably McMurray's gone. It's because, you know, Kurt Busch is bringing in Monster, so... All right. Well, uh, yeah. And then I saw a picture uh, t- earlier today of Christopher Bell's iRacing uh, Chili Bowl car uh, with the uh, iRacing paint job. And boy, it really looks great. Excited for him to hopefully win tonight. Uh, he already ran the first heat before the recording and won that heat. So uh, he is on fire. Mason, Team Conti, Motec Workbook. Yeah, so um, there's a post on the forum from Brandon Hastings, who is the crew chief for Michael Conti, our one of our peak antifreeze series drivers. Um, he posted up a MoTeC workbook for those of you interested in telemetry, and uh, this is pretty awesome that that he's posting up his workbook that he was using up until it says July of uh, 2018. So uh, you can check out what they're doing. It's got some basic um, basic ride heights, um, stuff like that. So just basic things you need um, to be concerned with. Um, so, yeah. A good starting point if you're trying to get into MoTeC, right? Yeah, and he even gives you some instructions on how to install it. And uh, I know he doesn't list that you need a telemetry capturing uh, program, but but other MoTeC programs I've used have used a program called MU um, to capture that telemetry and then put it in MoTeC. So that might be something you have to add depending on how he has his workbook set up. Now, he is, uh, works in real NASCAR. He's on uh, da- the, I almost said Dave Blaney, but it's Ryan Blaney car, the 12 car. I think he's the interior guy. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, uh, Crimson Simulations. Now, I was just reading up on this before uh, we started the th- the uh, podcast here, and uh, man, I didn't even know that this was offered. Um, but uh, so Crimson Simulations dot uh, com is a virtual racing club in North Carolina. So it's it's basically um, you're, it's a place where you can go and rent rigs for you know blocks of a period of time, and uh, you know. You can race with your buddies. You can um, just, you know, fool around for a bit. Or you can even do the serious side. You can actually go and book uh, training lessons, uh, driver's training for it. Um, And I thought this was really cool because they've got, you know, really nice rigs set up for it. Um, And and I think it would, it's, you know, it's like a good thing for like parties and things like that if you want to just go go and have an experience, right? It's just like um, I think we were talking about. you know, there's VR things that you can do um, nowadays with going to places, but this is a, another, you know, option for it. And the pricing is actually not that bad if you look at it. They give a comparable kind of to renting, um, you know, cars in the real world to go test on a track, which is kind of unrealistic. But, you know, even go-karting, it's, you know, pretty comparable to a go, go-karting for a couple hours. So um, they offer memberships and everything. So... Anybody that's in the North Carolina area should really check that out. Um, it's it looks like it would be you know a good time to have you know go and race with some buddies. 
Yeah, Mooresville, North Carolina. There's one picture that shows a big room with four rigs with triples, at least four. And so, yeah, it's like a, you know, a party center. You know, you go have your team event or your work party there and you'd race each other and you have a, you know, a, a race. And yeah, it looks really cool. I, you know, pricing, uh, $75 an hour for driver training. If you're just doing racing experience, $60 an hour on the motion or 40 on a static. Pretty cool. Uh, you know, you've always seen or heard about, you know, people thinking about doing businesses like this or they, they get a simulator and they put it in an arcade or something like that. This is a little different. This is like the main attraction of this business. There's no, nothing else besides like what it appears to be a, a large room with, you know, sim gear in it. Where is this at? Mooresville. Hey, but like four hours from me. I might have to take a trip. Yeah, check it out. It says 131 Cross Lake Park Drive. Unit B103. So, uh, but their website, crimsonsimulation.com. All right, Tony Groves. Uh, okay, we'll skip in that. Brent. So, this past Sunday on the 13th, MSI Esports held an event out in um, in Spain, and they tweeted iRacing on the 14th. And this, uh, this event, it says they got some of the best sim racers in Spain to um, come to their location to have a chance to use the iRacing um, platform and a chance to compete to drive the Formula 3 car at, I'm probably going to butcher this, uh, Circuit Drama. I probably butchered that. Um, with the winner coming out to be uh, Jesus Cecilia, who won the tournament ahead of Ade Coba. So they got a video on Twitter. If you want to check it out, it's connected to the iRacing Twitter page. Pretty cool. I mean, Spain is always... a uh big on their sim racing don't you think i mean they, they have this whole event you know similar to what we've seen that happened in europe you don't see this in the u.s much uh pretty cool all right i got the next one where the rubber meets the road okay this might be the big story of the week but uh basically uh they're going to make a change to the oval cars on the tire they're going to revert the change that they made uh, several weeks ago uh, a couple months ago uh where they changed or they doubled the effectiveness of the temperature of the tire they're basically going to revert it back to where it was before the last change a couple months ago on the oval cars only so here's how it's it's very confusing so a couple months ago they made that change where they doubled it on all the cars everything then uh, last week they made a change specifically to the Porsche car tire. Then this week today they changed all the oval cars back to the way they were before that change two months ago. But they left the road cars with the change that was made two months ago. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that what one. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really the the lowdown of what happened here this week. Um, so iRacing made the uh, announcement. Hey, uh, this is going to happen. Um, now, we have a few posts here. Let me see what the other one says here. The NASCAR season starts before the March build, so we want the dynamic tracks working before then. Thus, the reason for the change now, rather than wait until March. Whether the new tire model, version 7, makes March or not, I do not know. That's what Tyler said. Um and then there's another thing that clarifies about this. It says the issue is not in how the track 
it heats up from the cars, the sun, etc. So adjusting all of that for the sensitivity change is not a good road to go down. Version 7 is very close. Really? This is an oval issue because it has halted the dynamic surface from dynamic surface from working to its full potential. We can either leave it until version 7 or revert back and have multi-groove racing again. The decision to keep the dynamic track working as it should. So basically, when they made that tire change a couple months ago, the dynamic track stuff kind of stopped working. We only saw single grooves. Remember, we heard from the, the short track guys last week that said it ruined the racing. And so this is in response to that, I think. So am I understanding this right? Uh, how I see it is with that last change they made, they just gave the cars too much grip. So now they're taking some of that grip away so we can uh, move around the track and not everybody's just, you know, stuck on the bottom. Yeah, they're putting it back to the way it was before just early December. When we ran the full NIS season, it's back to the way it was then. Okay. So it's, so it's like uh, when Goodyear brings a soft tire compared to a harder tire, we got the hard tire now back? Yeah, we got the tire that will allow us to have multiple groove racing. That's the way I understand it. Right now we're not having multiple groove racing because of that tire change they made a couple months ago. Which is what everybody wants, correct? Right. So it's just a a, a temporary fix until V7. Now we've had a couple notes here. One quote was V7 is very close. Then another quote was, I do not know if it will make the march or not. I do not know. And so there's a couple things that kind of allude to it's really coming close soon. Hashtag sooner. Right, sooner. <laughs> I'm just glad that they decided to do it before the 500, the Daytona 500. You know, we don't want to do these kind of changes in the middle. You know, I, I have no problem with them switching to V7 on the March build. Let's do it, you know. But these kind of, you know, Band-Aid fixes that they're doing, they need to do that before the 500. Well, it's kind of just like what they did, but just, you know, this week before the 24-hour the too, right? Like, it's, you know, they got to figure this stuff out before major things that people put a lot of time into, right? Yeah, but the difference this week is they didn't make the change to the 24. They didn't actually let it affect it. And they probably should have. I don't know. All right, Greg, you got the next one. Loading failed. I think David Hall had this. Or no, uh, John Hammer had this too. Yeah, so the first part I'm just coming... So it was Corey M. Uh, Boudnot. Sorry if I butchered your name there, Corey. Um, he posted that he three times he tried to get into sessions and uh, it failed um, and it wouldn't the only time it would actually let it load in with the solution that he had was uh, go into the graphics configuration and reconfigure everything and it went load up so um, then uh, trying to bring it back to this page here um, Nicholas Bailey is posted it looks like the app is having an issue connecting to the easy anti-cheat server so they're still investigating it um so that you know we've had a bunch of things come up with that easy anti-cheat stuff right so like that have been causing problems um for uh people to uh you know do what they need to do in here um but they also posted uh nicholas bailey posted also that they're having troubles duplicating it um so they're thinking it's not a common it's not call it happening all the time um they haven't been able to reproduce in the last little while so but if anybody 
has had a problem with it to let them know. Um, and it looks like John Hammer um, and his Pro Series driver almost missed the pro race due to this failure. So this uh, they got to figure out what the problem is. It's a bad connection to the some separate server for that cheating thing. So it's, I know I had that problem a while back, but it was under the IV6. I cut that off, and I haven't had an issue since. All right, so yeah, I don't know if that's still an issue or not. I haven't experienced it, but uh, people have, so it is intermittent, I guess. Yeah, I know a lot of people since the last major build have been having like a lot of issues with like screen freezing and getting kicked off on black screen and stuff. I don't know whether that's connected to stuff, but it's it just seems unstable a lot of times for a lot of people. Whether that's something to do with the energy at the same time or it's a completely different issue. But I know a lot of people have been complaining about that as well. It's got to be pretty hard to write coding for for this and then have the anti-cheat, you know, operational, but also th not, not thinking that everybody is cheating depending on what it is. Like, because if it just flags something, it automatically turns it off, right? Yeah, it won't load you. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Tony Groves, AI testing. Yeah, it was uh, actually quite a big forum post, um, like four pages worth about the, uh, the AI stuff. Um, and this one in particular had some of the staff guys uh, uh, testing it out, practicing with it, playing around. And uh looked like they were able to do some you know, kind of neat things. Um, Jason Breifogel um, decided to uh, see how many classes of cars he could fit on one track at one time and uh i guess at at lime rock he he got 21 different cars to load up um well yeah 14 at the nurburing um but he says that the sim will still only support seven classes for scoring so I'm not, i don't quite understand what that means if he got all those cars on there and but they just Maybe they just lumped some of the cars and said they were just a different class. They can they race, actually were. But can't be scored or <laughs> something along those lines. But that's you know that that's kind of kind of neat um, for sure. But Do I even look... own twenty one cars? <laughs> I know I sure don't. I know but, that's uh, a lot when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that, that, I guess that you know that could be kind of neat. Um, Throw that up would like be cool. And, and put and them in order of fastest to slowest when you start them. Yeah, put the slow guys up front and watch the hilarity. Watch the carnage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody had asked if they could, uh, if they could expect this for official races or just for local AI races. So, I mean, that just kind of makes sense. It it is for only like local AI races when it does come out, um, which. I think is probably appropriate. It'd get a little silly if not. Yeah, you can't be with your buddies and have AI with you. That doesn't work that way. You're going to be by yourself with AI. I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to try the 21 car thing and see just how it goes. And it, it, it'd be just fun to have experiments like that. Okay, let's put all the 21 cars, you know, slowest to fastest on whatever track and run them 10 laps and see who wins. I can do it. And what other experiments would you try in AI? I mean, it's going to be very interesting, I, you know, once it comes out. 
There's a lot of possibilities with it because, you know, I'm looking forward to it just as a fact of just testing with something else on the track instead of just doing lap, logging laps by myself, especially in the middle of the night or something. Right. Like, you're never going to do a lap by yourself anymore with this. You're, I, I won't. I would get into AI for sure rather than run by myself. Now, how many of you guys would actually try, you know, either go on the rough, you know, if you're on your own session and stuff, going the opposite way, wrecking them, spinning them? That would be about the second thing I did. Would it be against the sporting code to spin an AI car? Will the AI protest you? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. I don't know if I've had an answer on that one. The easy anti-cheat thing will go on. It'll disable the sim. AI demo derby. That'll disqualify you. Well, interesting. All right, Mason, alpha testing, now recruiting. Wow. Yep, this is your chance. Chris Widener of the iRacing staff is posting up that they're in need of some good folks willing to devote some time to alpha testing, specifically on test nights Monday and Wednesday evenings. Uh, it's Being in the eastern central time zone is a plus, but if you're outside of that and can attend test nights, that works too. Um, the list of below requirements, spend a couple hours a week testing, short posts on the alpha forum, any feedback, bugs, ideas, basic computer skills, install, move, edit files, patience. Some of us don't have patience. Uh, things go wrong in testing, so you got to be patient. And you must be a current iRacing member and have a non-disclosure agreement. Um, there's an email address here, alpha underscore testers at iRacing.com. And uh, what car do you race the most, have interest in, and could give good feedback on. So check out that post by Chris Widener if you want to help test die racing. Pretty cool. So like, they'll get like a million emails about the A car, uh, oval car, and then some cars they won't have anybody. Well, it is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, if I wasn't doing anything on those days, I might be interested. Be a neat opportunity to get involved. It'd be interesting to, you know, obviously because you have a non-disclosure, you can't do anything with it, but, you know, log what, like, you know, have like a a showing of what goes into all that stuff where you're testing and what can go wrong and then what, you know, it would be nice to see that background part of it. Yeah. Well, NDA. All right, Tony Groves, uh, season patch, season one, patch three. Here, I got my name beside it and everything, and I still don't have it up and ready to go. How do you like that? <laughs> well, we already talked about it. It's the tires. Uh, the, they changed the tires back on the oval car, like right. we discussed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's old news. Um, you know, make uh, multi-lane racing more viable and competitive, yada, yada. Um, uh, they've done some stuff uh, with the pit stops, fixed an issue where drivers could get stuck in the pits when having a damaged wing with the Delara uh dw12 or the uh delara 2011 and they also fixed an issue where the pit crew would continually turn the car off during lengthy repairs even when the driver was trying to turn it back on those bastards no 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 (laughs) and uh looks like we got an update for the porsche 911 rsr adjustments have been made to several vehicle paint schemes so it looks uh, just a small one, but the the tires was the, was the big big ish, big one for that. <laughs> the, I just like that fix boat where the picker just turns the car off. It's it's just such a funny glitch to have. 
can imagine one of the NASCAR drivers trying to turn his car on room. Some guy just stood at the window, just keeps turning it off, just to annoy him. <laughs> putting on the serpentine belt. Why are you turning it on? <laughs> All right, Greg, uh, a Porsche video. So, uh, just playing this for our viewers here. Um, but uh, so the Porsche iRacers World Championship Series had an announcement and ends up being a video that they've posted up here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great video that shows the GTE car, Porsche GT. It looks like at the Glen. Um, there looks like an image of Interlagos there, uh, Bathurst. And it's just, it's a well done video. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a fun series to be uh, racing in. Um, you know, hundred thousand dollars on the line. You know, that that's got to get everybody up and onto the wheel of the race there. So I don't know. What do you guys think of the video? Oh, well, you know, as usual, Drew Adamson does fabulous on these videos. I mean, they just are fun to watch. They really draw you in, make you want to go race that car, uh, make you want to go for the hundred hundred K. You know, um, yeah, I was you know very impressed with it. Yeah, I thought it was really good too. I, I really enjoyed it. They got to promote it, man. 100K is a big deal. Um, so expect more of this as it goes. Um, you know, you kind of expect these kind of things. All right, I got the next one, uh, Chili Bowl related. Uh, Kevin Swindell uh, twittered out um, that he noticed that the winner from Monday night's uh, Chili Bowl, Logan Seavey, during his winner's lane interview, mentioned uh, strength of field. And of course, uh, strength of field is an eye racing term. I don't think they real that's a real racing term, so to speak. And so he thought that was kind of funny, and he put that on Twitter. And yeah, I picked up on that. But uh, yeah, when the winner's talking about, yeah, you know, I did pretty good out there and won it. It was not a high strength of field, uh, you know, and we got it done or something like that. All right, pretty cool, Greg. Uh, a 1989 Cup car. Now. We were really uh, t we were talking about this in the message here. I'm trying to bring up the image for the viewers. Um, it brings back some, you know, I don't know if any of you guys. As soon as I saw that car, I thought of you know Days of Thunder and the old older, uh, you know, back. These this car is obviously <laughs> I was two when this car was racing, so <laughs> I don't remember this probably for much, uh, but I do remember the Luminas back in the day. Um, so it's. Um, it's an Earnhardt. Uh, it's a chassis that's built and uh, purchased from Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Um, the uh, engines from Richard Childress. It still has the original tires. Uh, it's in pristine condition from a couple scuff marks. Um, so um, the reason that this was brought up was uh, someone uh, created a petition for uh, you know. They want to bring this and scan this for iRacing, you know, and I guess it's on what change.org. Um, you know, when we talked about this in the discussion, what do you think about going back to something like this, uh, this you know older type car and bringing it into uh, iRacing? Well, you got to think iRacing going to use this as a revenue stream once they do release all the current race cars of the world. What are they going to do next? They're going to have to go backwards in time. And do historical race cars and so i think a lot of people have been asking for historical race cars and we we do have some in the sim if you think about it we have that um lotus car you know the open wheel lotus 
I think the only reason we have that Lotus car is it's grandfathered in because of the uh, their uh, Grand, Grand Prix, Prix legends. Legend. Yeah. But this would be cool. I mean, I would race it. Um, I have fun racing the older, you know, K&N car, which is the old cup car. Um, you know, as we go to a V7 car in NASCAR, we're going to have all these other versions. And this would be uh, a version. This is V2 or V3 or something, you know. Yeah, I've never signed a petition as quick in my life. Man. It came up on Facebook. I saw the picture of the car and I thought, yep, I'll sign that. It's like I said, it's... It's a nostalgic thing, plus the Days of Thunder as well. As soon as I saw it, I thought, I want to race that car and I race it. Would you guys race it over, like, the A car, though? Depends no. on It depends on what, you know, how they would use it effectively, right? Like, you know, the A car is always going to be the popular one, but maybe they could have a fun series with it. Yeah, that's it, a fun series, yeah. You just, you just need to get the uh, physics of uh, what that... <laughs> Tom Cruise had for a Days of Thunder and how easy it was to pass at Daytona. Or you have a specific <laughs> league for that kind of car or something like that. Well, you could pass so easily in Days of Thunder because he had like 10 gears. <laughs> He's dropping the, the hammer. Fourth, slamming in the fourth. Now, if you click the link on the change.org and then you click the other link, that'll take you to NBCSports.com story. And if you scroll down, you'll get a, a side picture of the car which is uh, much more telling about the style uh, so check that out so if you're looking at here the team this car bobby hill and jr drove this is that what it is yep and uh john paul jr and we only ran four races in 91 but uh it, it's a neat opportunity um the problem with iRacing scanning it is several things who who do they have to get disclosure? I mean, rights from for the sponsors that are listed on the car, um, the manufacturer, the owner, the previous owner, the drivers that are listed. I mean, all these different entities have to give some kind of legal, you know, release to iRacing to be able to scan and use a car like this. And so it, I see sponsors on here called Max Race Cards. You know, do they even exist anymore? You know, and so those those are the kind of legal battles that would happen, have to happen. Well, and I'm guessing that's, you know, probably an Irish brand. Obviously, if you look at all these, there's a lot of things for Ireland there on it. The other thing is, you know, looking at this car, I, what do you guys think? If, obviously, they've gone so technologically advanced with the A, you know, with the new cup cars and then whatever they do with the v, the version 7 of the cup car. But this is back in the era where they actually seemed to use the bodies more off of an actual car, and, and it looked a lot like I really enjoyed watching this type of body style out racing, where it doesn't have a splitter and it doesn't have, you know, this car probably has half splitter, half gone. the downforce. Yeah, all the under stuff is gone. I mean, the the thing is up off the pavement. Like you said, no splitter. I mean, and no side skirts, and you know, nothing's like rubbing the pavement. You know, that looks so odd, but that's really what they need to get back to. Yeah, downforce ruins racing. Man. I mean, it's good to go fast around the track and doing a one-lap thing on your own, but once you get cars together, downforce doesn't like it. Man. Like man. I said, those early, those early cars, when they were just all about, you know, mechanical grip, was the racing was a million times better than it is today. In any series, like the Formula 1 to NASCAR, it's, the downforce is killing it. 
There's one last comment about this. Um, reading the article, it's funny. They said someone was restoring the car and took it out on the original tires. So okay. they're still good after, what, 30-some years? Those well, good years are good, huh? They're good to an extent. I'm sure if you put it high load put on it a banking, speed, it yeah. probably it wouldn't. Oh, yeah. They said it was crap driving, but... All right, let's keep moving. I got the Netgear router update. Nicholas Bailey gave us an update to a story that we've been following for a very long time that he's been trying to get uh, Netgear to uh, take some responsibility for their routers um, dropping UDP packets because of their software or um, that they have installed on these routers. And so he did have a successful meeting with Netgear on Monday evening where they were able to reproduce the issue repeatedly and found that the router was having trouble continuing to initiate those UDP sessions on the LAN side. And once that happens, it starts dropping the UDP packets. And so either way, it looks like progress was made, but no solution as of yet. But at least they know they have a problem. All right, um, Mason, 2019 Bathurst 12-hour. Yep, we got the Bathurst 12-hour coming up uh, after our 24 hours of Daytona. Um, the Bathurst 12-hour is on February 8th slash 9th, depending on where you live. Um, there's a time slot at Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, and a second one on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. Um, it's the Mount Panorama Circuit. We have uh, the starting time, the sim start time of 4.30 a.m., and uh, warm up 30 minutes. Qualifying is again attached and solo. Um, the this team event, uh, the incident limit has not been determined yet. Field size of 55, and it is the GT3 cars, the Audi R8, the Mercedes AMG, Ferrari 488 GT3, BMW Z4, McLaren, and Porsche 911. Any of you guys going to run it? No, but I wonder why the field size is 55 instead of 50 like they did on Daytona. Well, Bathurst is a lot bigger track, too. The Mount Panama is a huge track. I, mean, the I own is, the track, but yeah, I don't typically run this race. It, that's a really fun track, but I, I like doing it in the you know when they do the uh, Bathurst 1000. Or is, is it the Bathurst 1000? Whatever the... For the uh, I always forget the title of it, but the uh, V8 Supercars when they now, do that event. Now this track isn't lit and we have day night transitions and it's a 12 hour race. So that means they're going to be driving in the dark, right? Yeah. I was just about to bring that up. Yep. Well, it's set at 4:30 AM. So I'm wondering in Australia or not, is, is it Australia where they're from? Yeah. Anyways, it's, uh, um, it would be, I think the sun would be rising by then. Well, I've done some testing at Le Mans in the dark where there's no lights on the track, and it's super, super, super hard. And so I don't know if they're, it's going to be you know black, black for any part of this race, but if it is, have fun. Going up and down that mountain in the dark, why, that would be fun. I got to the other, that. The other thing is I hope if they do put an incident limit here, they stick by it this time and not you know get in a reasonable incident limit and stick with it all right greg you got the next one gt pro q series rules clarifications this is the team series uh for gt cars 
So I guess they've uh, updated, you know, they've gotten some, they're just trying to finalize some rules, I guess, here before that starts, right? Um, so I'm guess I'm just reading through this here. So, well, uh, the problem is, is everyone thought that you could have multiple people on your iRacing team, but only so many people in a car, okay? So like, for example, we have a team to FOSI iRacing team on our website, on the website, and I had all 18 of us listed on it, right? But only, you know, five of us are going to run the 24 hour. The other guys aren't going to enter our room and go into our car. So that's the way they've done it in the past. Now they're clarifying a rule that says, no, that team on the website cannot have more than four drivers. Okay. If you have all 18 listed there, you're out, DQ'd out. This is, I think, because uh, the VRS GT Endurance Qualifying Series is what David and I run every, I think that's the two-week series that we've been running uh, to right. try and qualify. Right, so if you're the, t the car that you've been entering the race with has more than four people on it, you're, de you're out. Oh, you mean registered right now? Like, because I think we've linked it with all the people for Daytona have linked into right. that so car. you just screwed yourself from getting into the the pro we, series because we, of that. we ain't getting in the pro series so i'm not worried about it i know but that's what the uproar is about um and so apparently in the past that has not been the case tyler seems to reiterate that these are the rules that they've always been it's never been he hasn't changed the rules these are the rules that have been published in the past but uh, apparently um you know there's a problem with that and then there's also some question about you're able to change cars and so they did that BOP adjustment, and some people are changing cars, and people didn't like that, but apparently it is in the rules that you're allowed to change cars. Well, they're probably changing cars in that too, because some cars are better than others. Like you can, you can kind of have the right car for the right track for each time you try and race it. Okay. Um, I got the big, I think the big story of the week, uh, I'll call it E-NASCAR. And this is a big story, guys. So I'm going to, and everything in the article that iRacing put out just today, a couple hours ago, is uh, very pertinent and important. I think we're going to cover most of it. So uh, let me read a, uh, start reading it here. In the 10th season, the E-NASCAR Peak Antifreeze iRacing Series will see several exciting changes to the only official sanctioned NASCAR eSports series. For the first time, Official teams, both motorsports organizations and professional esports teams, will join the series in the upcoming season. Several high profile teams have already committed to the series, including JR Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, Wood Brothers Racing, Clint Boyer Racing, Williams Esports, Richard Richmond Raceway Esports, G2 Esports, Flipside 3 Tactics and Team Renegades, with more expected to join in the coming days. The teams will participate in a driver's draft on January 30th, where they will select drivers to represent them in the 2019 season. All of these organizations have shown a genuine interest and commitment to esports and are excited about the upcoming season. And boy, what do you think? Uh, this is a big, big news, guys. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Wood Brothers. What so, is this? Oh, go, go sorry, ahead, Greg, but yeah, every, every, there seemed to be a little bit of like a, an uproar about the, 
you know, what they were thinking the NASCAR heat push, um, and, you know, getting people to do their qualifying on that. And, you know, they were saying, where's the love for iRacing? This is obviously the better one. Here it is. And I know a, a couple months back, maybe a month back, um, iRacing said they had some big announcements. Well, you know, they, they brought out with the, with the new, uh, the new purses, like the hundred, hundred thousand dollar rewards. Um, well, I thought that was, was big, which it is obviously, but I got to think this is a bit bigger than that because this just, um, you know, just pushes everything to that very much the next level. Like it's, it's here. This is what's happening. I think that's what they were actually talking about too, Tony. Maybe this, we assumed it might've been the hundred thousand was the announcement, which is probably a portion of it. But this is the announcement that there, that he was probably iterating when we were, the backlash was in the, for, you know, NASCAR heat. They had, you know, there's a lot to it. You got to get paperwork done and sign up and get people to pay and all this different stuff to get these teams involved. And, um, wow, it's very impressive. I got a quote here from, None other than Mr. Dale Jr. He says, I've been sim racing for more than 20 years, so it goes without saying I'm excited to see NASCAR and iRacing working to further legitimize sim racing as a true eSport. Expanding the eNASCAR Peak Antifreeze iRacing series to include teams like ours is a huge step forward. JRM has worked behind the scenes with iRacing for years on the technical side of the product as well and having as having an unofficial entry in the series going back to 2009. We are looking forward to JR Motorsports continuing collaboration with iRacing to help promote this series in 2019 and beyond. All I want to know is, is how this is going to feed down to the small guys like ourselves and people that are racing this sim every day. I mean, yeah, it's big news and stuff like that, but it's just, in my eyes, it just... It's going to the more elitist way. It's going to make this series even less accessible for anybody who's aspiring to be a pro or wanting to go that way. Yeah, I don't think um, it affects you. But what it, I think it affects is uh, overall participation. This is going to drive it, and it's going to increase it, and it's going to double it. I don't... See, I think I know what Craig's trying to talk about there. He's saying that if this gets to a point where those it stops being a qualification series and it starts being a, a driver draft. Like they're kind of promoting it to be eventually it might not matter what your rating is. You might actually, this might be a thing where you're, you're handpicking drivers to be moved into the peak. And that, that what you're kind of saying. Yeah. I mean, it's going to come down to money and sponsorship and we've all seen how that goes in the most, but it's like, it's going to be, for anybody who's going to be wanting to try and get into that series, it's now going to be a nigh on impossible unless you can prove that you are better than some of the lower running riders in that thing, or you're as good as a Ray Alfaro or a Conte or any of the other guys that race in that sim. And if you can't do that, and if you're not given the chance to do that, you're never going to get in there. Yeah, let's talk about the draft a little bit. I mean, the first thing that came to mind is what happens to the existing teams that all these peak guys are on and the way they're organized now with their own teammates, when they go and get drafted and this teammate gets drafted onto this NASCAR team and this teammate gets, you know, drafted onto a different one. Do they work together when they're not in the sim, you know, still like they did in the past? 
do they abandon their old teams and now they have these other teams they have to organize? It's all very confusing. Well, like from what you're saying there, one of the big problems could be the VRS crew, right? So you got, you know, um, Ray Fala, he gets drafted to one team and then... Yeah, Keegan Lee uh, to another. Yeah, and does that mean the VRS could have to maybe find new drivers to do all their stuff on VRS because there might be an obligation where they can't do that anymore? Well, I did hit up Logan Clampett, who is a peak driver, on Facebook for a quote. And I asked him, how does this affect your team? Uh, is this only in, in name, this new draft, you know, to these other teams? And here's what he said. He said, quote, we will be representing the NASCAR eSports teams. We will still work together with our own teams right now. So in other words, every team that's worked the last 10 years in the um, yeah, peak anti-free season have just been dissolved by these bigger brands. And thanks for your help, but, you know, get lost. These guys. I, I don't know. It kind of sounds that way, but I, Logan's uh, quote isn't very clear about it. Well, what could happen? Like, maybe they're dipping their toes in now where, okay, we're going to get a driver, let him do what he was doing. And then if there's this point where they can see they invest a little money and maybe they have their own person to work with with that driver to make them fast to you know win this money or the if the sponsors start picking up that's where the thing could change right where you would he can't be part of a team he's just got his maybe his own crew chief that the team assigns to him that works with iRacing or something like like works with the telemetry and stuff like that. And that's what I was gonna go with is what is the team's involvement going to be? I'm just curious. I know none of us are going to have the answer, but I'm curious to see what the team's involvement is going to be. Like a Joe Gibbs racing or a Woods Brothers racing. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, if the success in the real NASCAR series for like Joe Gibbs is the same in the Peak series. Well, the other thing is, is okay, if they are putting their name on it, at some point, if you know, they want to see results and there's an actually, you know, the sponsors do pick up on this. Does that mean they start off, you know, helping these drivers or something? So like equipment and time or something like, like uh, uh, availability to test somewhere else or things like that. Right. Who knows? Joe Gibbs racing is known to spend money. (laughs) I think this should have been, this should have been a separate, thing altogether from the peak and a free series myself the peak and a free series has got its own little history going on and for the teams that have been there and built it to what it is today and then for them to completely go the other way and then get pushed out they should have i think this should have been in like a different series and they should have said to the pro drivers you can have a go and run this series or and then stay with it the pro series that's been going on but to me i, I just think it's the wrong way of going about it well, it is a late announcement. I mean, we're about ready to go to season. Uh, maybe this is how they have to do it for this year. And then maybe going to the next year, you know, we have a full 12 months to figure all this out. And how do the teams, you know, sort themselves out? You would think that next year they would prefer it to be like, okay, this is Joe Gibbs Racing. And it is, you know, Ray Alfala and Keegan Leahy and so-and-so, you know. And they're Joe Gibbs Racing. And there is no other, you know, VRS or whatever. And and so by then, you know, it'd be like charters. You know, you have different esports teams and they have so many drivers and, you know, they get, you know, 
promoted in or whatever signed up i mean i don't know it's it's very uh new this only was dropped on us a couple hours before recording and so there's not a lot of answers this is what we wanted right we wanted uh yeah. companies to bring in wanted sponsorship opportunities money be invested yeah, in i racing you would think that joe gibbs racing is paying money to be involved absolutely who are they paying i don't know then one last little cool bit of the story was uh, Jonas Jerebko, an NBA player, owns uh, Team Renegades, and he's excited for them to be participating in the Peak Antifree Series. Yes, uh, that's the other thing. It's not just NASCAR teams. We got Williams, which is a Formula One team, guys. They're, uh, they have a uh, team in this now. And uh, we have a quote from Claire Williams, who's the team principal over at Williams Formula One. She says, to be invited to join the Peak Series shows the progress we have made since launching our esports program last season. Our Formula One team has enjoyed great success in North America, and we're eager to replicate that success by now expanding to our sim racing team in the United States. Well, and there's been some talks about, you know, Williams has got a they're on a rocky edge in F1, so maybe maybe they're looking somewhere else for something. I mean, Williams is a predominant name too in F1, so maybe they're um, you know they're reaching out maybe into a North, trying to get North American interest too, right? Yeah, and then shortly after the announcement, Tony Gardner posted in the forums more teams coming that are not in this announcement. Another significant NASCAR team just signed. And my thought was, as soon as I saw the list, is where is Richard Childress racing? Where is Penske racing? Where is Stuart Haas, you know? These guys are not going to miss out on this. I bet you they'll all get involved. Yeah, I would say Richard Childress and probably even Hendrick Motorsports, because of having William Byron, might be more likely ones like the first couple ones of being there. I don't know how much uh, Penske's ever involved in it, right? Well, how about Stuart Haas? Because... Well, hell, Stuart races on this. Yeah. I'm sure he's probably up for it too, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Of course, uh, jrmracing.com has an article already up about this on their website at JRM Motorsports uh, or JR Motorsports about uh, their new team in the uh, NASCAR iRacing series. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, big news. You know, there's a tweet from Wood Brothers Racing. They said, really excited to be part of this. Nothing, and I do mean nothing, comes close to the realism and real world, whatever you call it, as iRacing does. And that is a fact. Uh, Wood Brothers, uh, can you imagine being a sim driver for Wood Brothers Racing? I, I, it just blows me away. All right, Tony Groves, Trading Paints updated. Yeah, nice uh, nice quick one. Um, they uh, they just released a, an update to fix an issue where paints weren't showing in multi-class sessions. Uh, it's 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 up available for download, and uh, if you're having those problems, this should fix it. They did the same update type thing right around the 24 hours of Lamar, so it's basically something that keeps popping up after builds and stuff. All right, Greg, the warp before the 24. Uh, David's not here to uh, talk about it, but uh, we raced or we hosted a session on uh, Sunday there, Sunday afternoon, for to si just kind of simulate the conditions for the Daytona 24-hour uh, race, and uh, you know, invite some of our fans and you know anybody that wanted to race with us for uh, what was it three hours and 20 minutes, I think, 
and uh, you know it was a pretty pretty good turnout. I think we filled the room. Uh, not everybody stayed, uh, but I didn't stay we, the whole time. Neither did I. But it was a long we, three hours. I just wanted to get through. It was nice to have the transition from day to night and all that stuff. It uh, we we all had a blast out there. There was uh, um, we took a nice picture as, as a team. Um, posted up on the Tifosi page. It was nice to sh- just to see all the cars sitting out at the end of pit road there. I know we had a lot of people commenting, what are all the cars doing out there? But uh, it was good to see all the guys in a room together and uh, do this. Yeah. Yep, that was fun to participate in. Uh, next up, uh, we're, we're hiring. We're not hiring. We're looking for people to join us at Tifosi Racing. and We need a social media manager. Uh, we also need a league manager. And so if you want to run with us, uh, hop in before NIS starts. Uh, hit up Greg or I and uh, let us know. Let's jump into hardware software. Mason, 8040 rig build. Yeah, I was looking at this one. Um, it's it's uh, Iris user Louis Canell. Um, he's in the UK. And uh, he built an 8040 rig, it says, uh, for 350 pounds. So... Craig, is that a good price? Yeah, it's decent. Yeah. Three hundred fifty pounds is what five hundred dollars, maybe something like that. Yeah. What's yeah, neat so is the, he's got the parts list for you. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at it now. It looks a decent rig as well. It looks looks sturdy and stuff. Yeah, he's got it all spelled out um, on here, and uh, I, I was curious: is is eighty forty? A thing over there because I had thought I only I had only heard of eighty twenty. Yeah, we don't. I don't think we do much eighty forty in the UK. I think it's mainly eighty twenty, like you say. So I haven't seen much of that about in like the wholesale stores and stuff that we have over here. I guess you probably could use eighty twenty and use these dimensions, could you not? Right. Yeah, there's probably just a few little differences here and there, obviously with the joints and stuff. But yeah, eighty twenty would probably do the same job, just probably not as sturdy. Yeah, he's got the, the triple monitor stand there. Um, he's got the the place for the computer, got the place for the pedals, um, and and a nice little adjustable seat. It looks like so. It's all there for you. Go ahead and build away. Yeah, parts list and a diagram, and yeah, if you're looking uh, for something pre, you know, that you want to steal off of an idea, there you go. This is absolutely kind of silly, but. I found this kind of neat on the on the drawing. The monitors all still have their uh, tabletop Base. stands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like drag and drop them in there, kind of thing. You know, like you can pick objects and drop them in there, like desktop computer, and you just set it there. But he's he's kind of got something going there. It's like, man, you don't. And you know, hey, me being cheap and and all that, you don't have to spend money on a. Uh, on on a mount for the back of your monitor, just slap it on top and rock and roll. There you go. All right, uh, SimCraft, Greg. We got a message from a reader about our uh, about last week. <laughs> okay, so looks like uh, is that Mark Kaufman? Um, he sent us a, a link to uh, this site, uh, SimCraft. Uh, anyway, so what it was is. Uh, he, he know we were talking about high price rigs last week, and uh, he told us to check out uh, www.simcraft.com, um, and uh, they have a they have a really solid rig. We were t- I guess we were talking about this back in December, but uh, 
I guess they wouldn't let anybody try these rigs unless they were serious about buying them. So, you know, I, you know, checking the price, I guess it's a it's a reasonable $75,000. Uh, it's also have one that's probably going to be over a hundred grand. Um, so I don't know. It's just me or these get more and more expensive every week that we keep looking at stuff. Well, we've looked at this one before and uh, I think he's just reminding us about it. But yeah, this is very high end. Um, yeah, that's the same price as my camera. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically a full roll. Like the only thing that's missing is the shell of a car. It's got a roll cage almost, right? Yeah, it's crazy. The whole thing moves. I mean, it's got full motion, like the left-right twist, the traction loss, the up and down, the the dip, the roll, the yaw, everything. And so it's the full thing. Uh, their website is simcraft.com. Uh, inc incidentally, Paul Tracy, who's the uh, famous Canadian uh, IndyCar driver, um, he uh, Twittered up, uh, sorry, no, he Instagrammed some videos of him at the uh, Barrett Jackson auction in Scottsdale, Arizona this week, where he ran out there to Barrett Jackson because he lives in Scottsdale to run the SimCraft uh, cockpit that they have set up at Barrett Jackson. And so they actually have a, a cockpit there that you can jump in and try. And uh, if you're serious, I guess, about buying one, or I guess if you're Paul Tracy. I don't even know if he has a hundred grand anymore. I mean, can't you get like a race car to go racing for that price? <laughs> the only thing that I really, really, I don't know who that uh, rims by, but that's a really nice rim and, you know, dash that it has on it. That base, the wheelbase is huge. Yeah. It's like, what? I'm guessing it's is. direct drive. It's in behind. It looks like it's those direct drives with that drive shaft. Built in a box or something. Yeah, it's a very interesting simulator. Um, all right, Brent, let's keep moving. XTAL VR headset. Company in um, overseas is making a new VR headset, and it looks pretty nice from what I can see. The design, exterior design, is extremely um, kind of has that futuristic look to it. But the, it's gonna—I'm assuming it's gonna—it's a pretty hefty price, starting at about forty-nine hundred euros. But the resolution is fifty-one twenty by fourteen forty total, which equates to about you know 2560 per eye it includes two quad hd high density oled displays 180 degrees frame of view auto eye which they claim is the world's first automated ipd system not sure exactly what that means but it also has a uh x tall detects your eyes and automatically adjusts the lenses for optical image quality and vr experience which is great they say if you need to switch between users often the embedded new leap motion hand tracking sensors will allow the user to interact with the VRC naturally with their own hands. So if you're into uh, looking to spend some good amount of money on a high-priced um, VR, which um, hopefully will hold up well, this is probably a good place to start. Again, they have a website. It's called VRGineers, G-I-N-E-E-R-S.com. Just uh, look up XTAL, X-T-A-L. yeah. Yeah, this I thought I heard about all the different uh, VR headsets until I saw this one and the next one. But yeah, this is a new one to me. Uh, it is high end. I mean, 180 degree uh, FOV and a 5K resolution. Uh, boy, that is high end. 
Yeah, it says uh, it's ready to work on your desktop or in a VR setup the size of a football field. <laughs> All right. I got the next story. And this is another new VR headset. Uh, this one is called Star VR. StarVR.com is the website. Currently, there's no disclosed price or availability, but they expect it to be north of $2,000. Uh, the company has taken the new Star VR1 to new heights, offering a 210-degree field of view, something that honestly seemed impossible before. FOV with no screen door effect. They claim a resolution of 16 million subpixels, which puts the resolution just above 5K. What do you think of this one, guys? This is uh, another new VR. They're definitely coming out with, there's all these companies trying to take advantage of it, but I don't know, do you really, $2,000 is a lot to spend on something, you know, on a company that hasn't, doesn't have a background behind it either, right? Yeah, I mean, well, somebody in iRacing will buy one of these and we'll know. But what's is... interesting, I thought, was the 210 degree FOV. How, how do you? How are you more than 180? I don't get it. I mean, can you turn your head that far around? Right, that's what I'm kind of like. Can you? You know, you you're looking behind you or what? I don't know. All right, let's keep going. Tony Groves thrown us. Yeah, this one's uh, a a little different. It's it's not necessarily uh. A racing rig actually not necessarily it isn't a racing rig but it is a rig of sorts um this thing is uh the ultimate bachelor uh chair it is basically like a lazy boy for a gamer where everything is attached to it and at the push of a button it's all at your fingertips so um this thing is like this big uh cockpit type deal with an with an overhead piece that houses your monitors and you know you, you push a button and this overhead piece comes down and puts your monitor in place your your keyboard tray swings um in front of you and the the footrests come up and elevate your feet and you can adjust it going back like you would a lazy boy so you can sit and be all comfy um this thing comes equipped with like two cup holders so you know you're sitting there for a while because you're going to get through two drinks before you got to get out. Um, it, it's it's huge and absolutely ridiculous, but oh my god. I mean, the only thing I think this thing doesn't have is a, is a catheter. Um, <laughs> it comes it, with a computer. And what's interesting is this is provided by computer manufacturer Acer. And this is literally a computer. So when you buy the computer, you get the chair, the cockpit, the monitors, everything that goes with it. So basically, it's a, it's Alienware, right? So yeah, it's Acer but, Predator. Yep. I would hate to see what the shipping cost on that would be. They have white glove service, so that means they come and set it up for you. Uh, that's yeah. not bad, but I guess it's limited then. And yeah, I mean this the thing. The look is just... of it. It, it kind of reminds me of a scorpion where the monitors are up above and they kind of swing down in front of your face. I just can't get enough of this. I love it. That reclined back is like really awesome though, like where you can sit back in the chair yeah, up on you an angle. Lay it back. and Now, Mason, and you and I were discussing 
how could we outfit this thing for iRacing? Yeah, I mean, it looks like as long as you don't lean the chair back, you could have the pedals because there's already a tray there for your feet to have pedals on. Um, and then the tray with your keyboard on it could be turned into a wheel stand, I suppose. I don't know if you could run a direct drive wheel on it. Um, you might have to upgrade that the table, but it uh, it folds in so you could get in and out and have your wheel right there, have your pedals and be comfy and adjust your screens wherever you want it. And, it looks uh, possible. Well, yeah. this would actually work well for, you know, you could have various static setups, right? So, you know, you're sitting a little bit more upright, you know, running, you know, NASCAR type cars and stuff like that. But then you got an F1, you just lean her back. And um, yeah, there's some good possibilities for that. Upside down if you're in rally. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, uh, it's the eye candy. I mean, when this is a rig that you're showing off to people, really. I. I really would love to just try this rig just to see what it would be like. Just even like even normal video gaming, it looks so comfortable. And the guy was saying this is uh, sure to impress the ladies. Now, does it come with the neck pillow? Because I think that you, you'd have to have that. That's like, pretty pimp, isn't it? That it's still is missing pimp. a stress ball. <laughs> Black velvet. And it's not a, a little pillow. It's just like he's almost leaning forward because of it. It's funny. All right, let's my keep question, moving. My question is, though, is why does it have two cup holders? You got to double fist those beers, you know. <laughs> I, I, I thought I covered that, man. This thing is like locks you in. You're gonna be there for a while. You need two drinks. So it needs to have a cooler or a fridge somewhere near. Version 2.0. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. Brent, Nvidia supporting FreeSync monitors. Yeah, Nvidia uh, recently came out with a. Uh, Everybody was able to find a way around the FreeSync and uh, G-Sync um, capabilities. It says they're bringing G-Sync to some, not all, some FreeSync monitors. Uh, so far, they only have about, there were 400 monitors that were tested. Of those 400 monitors that were tested, only about 200 have passed so far and are able to run this G-Sync and um, FreeSync capability. Yeah, new driver updated on Monday. I just mm -hmm. download it. Uh, I was excited about this, but I realized that my Asus 27-inch monitors are not FreeSync compatible. Uh, to, to be FreeSync or G-Sync, you have to have a, uh, a DisplayPort input. And if you're running on HDMI, sorry, no dice. Yeah, so the monitors, there's a couple of them on here. They, they got the 12 listed, and they're Acer, Asus. There's a uh, egg on one. And a AOC one, and also one BenQ XL now, one. That's... Those that list is a little misleading. That's the list that they officially support. But my understanding is it actually works on all FreeSync monitors, but not to the degree where NVIDIA will, quote, license it as G-Sync. Yeah, these are the ones that, that are listed on this picture here that um, do not have any stutters or any issues with it whatsoever that they could find. But if you have a FreeSync monitor, or if you have a monitor that has DisplayPort inputs, and you run NVIDIA, then you need to update to the latest driver, you need to open the NVIDIA control panel, and go to G-Sync and turn it on to get this feature to work. If you don't have the monitors, the, the you know setting won't be there in the control panel. All right, let's keep going. Greg, a SIM chassis WR1. So we got 
uh, bring it up here, Christopher Bell. So it's just loading here. Um, Christopher Bell was testing the SIM kit, or sorry, not sorry, SIM chassis WR1, uh, and a, so a special world rally one or WR1 edition. Sorry, um, they uh, looks like so a, it's a new edition of their cockpit that's named after Christopher Bell. Yeah, so it's a it looks like a tiny. It's it's got a small footprint. Um, it's basically got a seat that's really sitting narrow. up. Yeah, it's it's a non-motion one, um, and uh, you you basically are just in the your normal driving position. It's got a it's it's a basic looking rig. Uh, looks like it's painted in the iRacing colors on the one here that he's got. Uh, he's testing it on, um, but uh, there's not much to it. It looks got a comfortable seat. Um, not Look showing. at the floor. It, it's got the iRacing logo on it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Obviously, that's probably got to do with his sponsorship too, right? Well, what, um, what it is, is this company is fairly new. They've come out with this Christopher Bell special edition version of their cockpit that basically has got his racing colors on it. You know, So it's got his iRacing sponsorship listed on it and, and whatnot. But... Uh, they don't really have a website. They do have a Facebook page. It's called WR1 Sim Chassis. Um, and you can go there and contact them about their rigs. Uh, as far as prices, they did put up a picture. Uh, their rigs start at $5,300, well, $5,050, uh, $5,300, $5,700, and so on. Now, this is the whole thing, including the wheel, the speakers, the computer, the monitors, the seat and so forth. Does it say what uh, brand of computer they're using? HP Omen. Oh, HP Omen, okay. And they call it a race-ready uh, setup. It's not, it's pretty, It's they got an even additional stuff here. They got like polished frame, powder-coated, uh, got carbon inserts. So they got some stuff that you can add to it, but, you know, is is it really... I'm just looking at the pictures here. It's it's a pretty basic rig. Is it really worth you know upwards of fifty seven hundred dollars? Well, you got to you know half of that could be a computer. So, but That's I don't true, know. I guess you know. Now the last link shows they were actually at Chili Bowl. This is how I found out about them. Uh, Chili Bowl actually tweeted out uh, pictures of the what's going on at the racetrack, and one of those is. Their booth, WR1's SIM chassis booth, where they have a couple cockpits set up, you know, so that people could sit in them and check them out and uh, even try them out. I guess that they got, they, they got a bunch of, you know, companies helping. MPI looks like they're in with it too, and Fanatic. Is so, you know, you got a bunch of companies all put together to put this whole thing Yeah, you can see the together. MPI wheels behind a guy. And if you look closely, there's a midget next door. And there's a sponsor on the midget car. WR1. So pretty cool to see a, a rig company or a cockpit company, you know, at Chili Bowl trying to drum up some business. And uh, they got the special edition uh, Christopher Bell one, which I really love. That's got the iRacing logo on the floor plate. That looks really cool. They even have, well, they, those could have been added stickers, but they do have on that one image there, they do have stickers on the back plate too. Okay. Um, next one is mine. 
simukit.com, S-I-M-U-K-I-T.com, is a foreign website, I think it's French, um, where you can get the parts or kits to build your own motion rig. And so I, I saw this mentioned on the uh, forums, I think it's Belgium, maybe, but uh, you could go to this website and actually order a 3DOF kit that you can do motion on and like uh, you can buy this kit and you can figure out, you know, you want to mount it to your own cockpit with your own seat kind of thing. And so the whole kit looks like it's 700 euros um, for a 3DOF 120 watt kit. That, the way they have that chair attached to it looks very interesting in the one image here. It's really kind of tall, right? <laughs> and it's got like springs on it, and it's got all these levers <laughs> and different things. And it's very complicated. Like it, it kind of, you know, it's you know, it's someone being able to get a kit out there for it. it. It looks like a nice kit, but it just reminds me of you know someone at home putting something together, their own stuff, right? It kind of like reminds me of like a your own build of a rig. Uh, where you're testing out all these parts and stuff, you got springs and stuff that are exposed. It just it just seems like home. It's, it 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 looks like it's uh, very basic stuff. I don't know. I just want to throw it out there in case people uh, want to try do it yourself. Uh, there are people that have, on the forums that have used this stuff successfully. So they just sell like the motors, and you can just buy like parts too. So it's a good right, thing Mason. to have. Mason, you got the uh, Axis One Y. Yeah, um, this is a universal motion simulation platform found on uh, DIYSim.com. Uh, it's made by SimCraft Motion Technology. And what it is, is it's basically a platform that you plop your stationary rig on, um, kind of like a play seat, Obato. Uh, maybe you have an 8020 rig that doesn't have motion. So you put it on this flat platform that has four little like knob risers on it and uh, the platform goes left and right to simulate your loss of traction so you can either get a 20 degree model or a 30 degree model and it's uh, between 2500 and 3000 dollars so it looks pretty cool it almost looks like it's got a a pivot point in the center and it kind of pivots around that when you look at the video so basically, it's got. If I'm looking at some of the pictures here, so it's got some. I'm. Is that a is that a wheel system underneath that moves it? Yeah, I'm not sure how it's designed underneath, but yeah, it's definitely moving left to right, not up and down. The back and the front can go left to right, uh, but they have to be opposite each other, obviously. Um, but so it's a partial motion rig, but it it's a good way to take a standalone stationary rig and make it motion. Yeah, and they uh, they offer a lot of support, it seems. They'll guide you through the process of mounting it to make sure your rig doesn't fly off. And it's also uh, it's a small footprint, so it's basically the size of you know a basic cockpit. 2500 bucks. And so well, how I found this, I was reading about the new GS5 uh, motion seat that we've been talking about. And some people are going to uh, companion that with this. And so you put the two together to get like the ultimate package. They just keep coming up with more and more ideas for these motion. Made. Like, you know, we're, 
I would never have thought of like a mat to do it. Like this is a new idea from all we've been looking at. And with this idea, the monitors don't move. Okay. So they have to be independent of this rig. And so you got to have a unique monitor set up, I think, to make this work. Well, the video that's on the site, his monitors are attached to it. Yeah, I guess it depends on your cockpit, I guess, right? But it looks like they have a sturdy stand. And if you notice, there's these extra strut bars that are attached. It looks like that are attached to the outside monitors to hold them in place. All right. Tony Groves, the Realtus Gaming Pad review. Yeah. Yeah, we actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, uh, well, the, the, I remember the, the video that they posted on their, on their website really didn't give you a whole lot. kind of showed you what it looked like. But uh, um, aside from that, you didn't really get a whole lot out of it. Uh, so somebody put up a, a full-out review. Um, I didn't look at it. I doubt I, doubt I will because it's like an hour long. Um, I guess uh, I guess it's very thorough though. Um, I personally wasn't impressed with this when when we saw it. I didn't like the price. I didn't like the. I didn't really care for the. I didn't really care for the whole thing. And then I was, I, I kind of got into reading uh, some of the comments and stuff like the the feedback from the company because there are problems with shipping because this was like a pre-sale thing, and um, I don't know. Maybe they got through it all. Maybe, maybe the thing is good. Um, I'm still not going to watch this video. <laughs> I got a real <laughs> bad taste it. of it. So I'll tell me what you think because uh, I'm just, I'm not well, giving I'll tell nothing. You what, <laughs> I'll tell you what Barry thought. Barry is the guy who runs Sim Racing Garage YouTube page, and he's the one who did the hour-long review. And he, as usual, Barry does a wonderful job reviewing any kind of Sim piecing equipment he gets his hands on. He took it apart. He showed us how it works. He showed us how it's designed. He showed us how to set it up. He shows the software. He shows how to configure it. He shows how to plug it in. I mean, the whole thing. If you want to know about this, this is a wonderful video. Um, at the end of it, his conclusion is buy it. If you're interested, buy it. He said it's uh, worth the money. Uh, that was his conclusion. Uh, I did watch through parts of it. I didn't watch the entire thing, um, but I did watch parts of it. And he was impressed with the performance, uh, considering uh, what he paid for it. You know, for 189 bucks, you are getting more immersion uh, with this. You can definitely feel it uh, as he would go off the track on the left side. The left side would rumble against him, and when he went off on the right side, the right side would rumble on him. And so, it was giving him stuff that he seemed to enjoy. Oh, hey, that that's good. I I remember I I put it into Canadian dollars, and it was over 250. Um, and all, all I saw was this padded seat with some vibration things on it. Um, so there you go. Don't listen to me. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Go watch this YouTube video. Find out all about it. Maybe it is for you. Yeah, and I think Steve Thompson bought one. We haven't heard his uh, impressions yet, but I'll try to find out what he thinks. Uh, let's get into uh, results. Uh, roar, roar before the 24, Mason. Yeah, um... Chris Scales and Tony Rochette were running the Mustangs, and they were in the same split, I believe. Um, Chris did not know where he finished, or he didn't write it down. Um, Tony Rochette uh, finished 17th in his class, which was 29th overall. He had 13X and lost some I rating, but he gained some safety rating. 
he did unfortunately hit the wall very hard exiting pit road and severely damaged the car so i know i remember him saying he had a bunch of uh, repair time i was in the miata in a different split which was just exclusively miatas and i finished 17th uh, with a whole bunch of x's 35 to be exact and it was all from off tracks and a few spins um, I got a bit of damage going too wide in the bus stop, so it was definitely a good learning experience. Um, it was hard to get back in the Ferrari after that, but it was fun running it. All right. And then tell us about the OSRA uh, event. Yep, we were at uh, Daytona 07 this week. Uh, I put the iRacers Lounge uh, Chevy Silverado out there in the lead for a bit, and then uh, promptly got passed, and then absolutely destroyed i hit everything in the field because someone uh made a, a jerk reaction to a move outside on my outside and spun me in front of the entire field so uh i finished 13th though because everyone else was also destroyed <laughs> um tony rochette ran too unfortunately he hit my truck and uh, even though he didn't have any damage it blew his engine under caution right after the wreck, so he finished 24th. But he gained it's some luck stage is horrible. All right, and uh, Brent McCoy, Podium Esports. Yeah, we don't... Um, there's not a race this week for the Street Stock Series. There are the Elite Series going on for both the trucks and the oval cars still, plus the um, uh, Cars Esports Tour is going on. So for that, I don't have anything for the podium side for myself. Next race is next Wednesday, I believe, which is the 23rd. We will be on uh, Twitch on the Podium Esports channel, so you can check in live for then if you want to watch that race. There's also I also have the Major Series race coming up here, um, which is a, a league put on. They do a little mixture between the road stuff and the oval stuff, and we have the Daytona 2.4. I'm doing that in the Ferrari, which I believe I'm going to qualify here in the next hour or two, and then I'm going to race the Sunday morning race for that. So looking forward to that on the 20th of this month. Okay, very good. Well, let's jump into final thoughts. We'll start with you, Brent. Any other final thoughts? Yeah, the uh, the we, the days have finally come. You know, all the practice is, um, is over basically for us in our Ferrari in the Daytona 24. We've got our time slot down. We've got the setup down, I believe. And I'm ready to get this started and ready to be done with it so all right let's get it uh greg hectus final thought uh just looking forward to uh racing uh a 24-hour race it'll be uh it'll be a good race with our uh, team here we had the uh, really good practice and uh, we showed some really good speed and some consistency so i hope it translates into a good finish um and uh i'll be streaming it um, I'll also be streaming every night that I do the uh, Old Bastards Racing League, which I've been thoroughly enjoying in every time we get to go out on the track there. Uh, so if you want to follow me, once again, Frozen Cactus or Twitch.tv or Twitch.tv slash Frozen Cactus, Frozen with two O's, Cactus with two K's. Um, check me out there, and you know, we'll see you guys on the track. Okay, Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, I got a couple here. The first one is. Um, I'm curious to see how the NASCAR teams really get into uh, the uh, peak series and 
what's if that's speeding the tire the new tire model along because they want that to happen um, but other than that i'm excited for the day 2024 i haven't ran it before so i'll give it my best aha maybe the tire is tied to all that we'll see all right tony gross final thought yeah i i throw out a huge shout out to the old bastards um the last couple of races man they have been top notch they've been really really good um I don't maybe maybe it's me kind of smartening up, um, but I find uh, uh, the racing much better than the the first few weeks. Um, so that's awesome. And anybody wanting to to see what the old bastards are all about, um, I stream the races every Monday night. Uh, follow me, uh, find me at Twitch uh, username Sir, Sir Groves. I think I uh, butchered that shameless plug enough, so. That's it for me. All right. All right. My final thoughts is uh, streaming. I've been trying to fix a streaming problem. I've been trying to stream lately to Facebook Live. And I uh, keep getting reports from uh, viewers that it's really choppy and the frames per second looks really bad. And so I have this brand new computer. It's top of the line, everything. I shouldn't have these problems. And so I spent a lot of today actually troubleshooting this trying every different combination of settings and different things. And what I figured out is as soon as iRacing loses focus, the problem goes away. But I have, if I have focus on the sim, I have a, a frame problem on OBS, not in the sim. When you look up at OBS at the bottom, it says how many frames you're doing, and it goes down to like 15 or 20. And that's really the problem. But it only happens when I have my mouse clicked on the sim. Like if I take my mouse and go touch TeamSpeak, the problem goes away and it goes up to 60 frames a second in OBS. But as soon as I click back to the sim, the problem comes back. And so uh, anybody know anything about that? Let me know because I am like beating my head against the wall. Uh, this computer should be able to handle it and it's not. And so I'm thinking there's something else going on, but I can't figure it out. Uh, and so that's a little frustrating, but looking forward to NASCAR. Daytona 500 is coming up soon. Um, this peak announcement with the teams, interested to see how it affects the iRacing teams that are involved. Uh, are they going to be dissolved in some way? Uh, will they still exist? How will it work? And that kind of thing. So lots of questions I'm excited to get answers for. And with that, I guess we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.